this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Black Opinions Matter, motherfucker. My name is Amino Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by Black Trey, John Gervais, and Big Waz. And today, man, we got a special guest, man. We, we have a legend in our midst, guys. I don't even think y'all know. this. These are real. The real legends move in silence behind the scenes. <laughs> and this brother right here, Mitch Marchand, he, he is an absolute legend. Hey, have you ever watched the Oscars? He wrote for that. You ever watch the Emmys? He wrote for that, too. You ever watch Dave Chappelle's Kennedy Center uh, special? Yeah, he wrote for that, too. <laughs> but you might know Mitch most from his iconic role in the motion picture Juice yeah. as the man who tells Q... You got the juice now, man. You got the juice now. What's up, man? What's happening, man? That's Hall of Fame. That's a Hall of Fame career right there. I appreciate it, man. You know, still still trying to grind, man. You know, every day day I'm hustling, baby. What's up with y'all? Oh man, we chilling, man. We're we're just out here quarantine beards and and no haircuts. And just letting it go crazy. Just yeah. you know, we all we all got our, our Tom Hanks on right now. We all everybody got a volleyball. We are talking to Wilson. It's it's, it's tough <laughs> out here in these in these streets. So 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 Mitch, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. Uh, you, uh, your resume is super long. I could go through the whole list. 
Was there anything in particular you want to shout out, like as a major point of pride that I did not shout out already? I mean, I think you, I mean, you hit, you hit all the markers for me, man. You know, I'm just really excited to be here with y'all and just talk with y'all brothers. And, you know, it's, 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 it's my career has been real fun. I, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, kind of progressing and growing and I got a new thing coming out. I don't know when, but on Netflix real soon called the Upshaws, which is a sitcom that stars uh, Mike Epps and uh, Wanda Sykes. So that's right. going to be crazy. We were in the midst of shooting when um, the pandemic kind of shut us down. So we have a, a few more episodes to do, but I mean, definitely look for that come the fall. Hopefully if everything goes well, we can get back to shooting. And I'm super duper excited about y- about y'all seeing that. Let, let me ask you so about that. Mm-hmm. You have several episodes that are in the can, several episodes yet to shoot. Yeah. What happens during a shutdown like this? Are they in the back editing the ones that you already have and just, you know, trying to get ahead of it? Or, or w- what happens to the schedule, I guess? Well, from what I can, um, from what I've been told, I think they have been all kind of basically, we, we shot five episodes of the 12 where, where we were uh, supposed to shoot. So I think it's I think probably at this point all five are in um, complete edited completely edited and ready to to air. Um, obviously with Netflix you got to have the whole shebang, but you know so they got to get those other ones in 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 check. But I mean there is no rule book to this because there's nobody. I mean we've never really experienced anything like this. So it's like you know you just kind of like we were doing like the Zoom writers room because when we first shut down we still had episodes to write. Mm-hmm. You know, like the latter half of our season. So we were still working on episodes and uh, having Zoom sessions and all of that. And that was like, you know, it's like the, like how we all in this box right now. Just be all of us writers just sitting in here, just banging out ideas and scripts and stuff. So it's been an interesting, uh, it's been a very interesting kind of uh, situation. Like everybody else in everybody's world. I know what I mean, what you're doing in, in terms of your shutdown. I know this must be terrible for you right now. <laughs> I'm chilling, bro. <laughs> we, we, la- we last dancing it up every day, man. Oh, my God. What are we going to do next Sunday, y'all? What are- hey, I'm, I'm Hang out with la- our families? Yeah, I'm last danced out. You know what I mean? Yo, let me ask y'all. Like, did y'all, like, y'all knew like it was getting towards the end. Did y'all start getting like this like little pang of sadness in your body? Like, yeah. please let it go another half hour. Please. So this is my theory. And my co-hosts here, they always disagree with me on this. I hate binge watching. I like the appointment viewing of it's coming out on Sunday. And guess what? If you don't watch it on Sunday, you better stay off Instagram and Twitter because everybody's talking about it. I really enjoy that. I think that's what makes the Oscars a special event. I think that's what makes sporting events special. And that's what's made uh, Last Dance special is that they didn't drop it all 10 episodes at once. And then you got some people talking about it on day one. Cause they got nothing better to do, right, but right, spend right. 10 hours. Right, right, right. Other people are, you know, are like, like me, who probably take weeks and weeks to watch it. That's the weird part about the whole binge, uh, society. Now it's like you almost in competition with other viewers to make sure you're in the conversation. You know, like I find that with like certain shows that I'm a fan of on Netflix or whatever. It's like, you know, I remember I used to, you know, you know, like when like um, House of Cards came out, you know, like I would try to catch it. But some, I remember like it was like it had come out Friday night and I was actually shooting something. I'll never forget this. Maybe epi- this was like season two. And somebody was already calling me like Saturday afternoon, L.A. time at like 3 p.m. Like, yo, did you see the season? I'm like, yo, give me a chance. Like, <laughs> it's like homework. Like, t- like binge watching makes TV become like homework. You know what I'm saying? But 
So I did enjoy the. I get it. I I, I like binge watching because there's certain shows now that I have to have that appointment TV thing with. Like I'm a big fan of that show Billions. I don't know if y'all watch it on Showtime. Yes, yeah, yeah. sir. And every time Billions go off, I'm like, yo, I need that next episode like right now. Mitch, right when now. you write when you're writing y- your own shows, mm-hmm. um, do you have to curtail your approach to writing episodes? You know, when you contract, you say you have something coming out on Netflix as compared to, let's say it was coming out on network TV, like an NBC or ABC. Do you have to um, adjust your approach to writing episodes? I mean, uh, technically speaking, it's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, I think, and that's why I say, well, I can't say too much about the Netflix sitcom, but you are able to kind of stretch the boundaries a little bit. There are some, Mm -hmm. there are some um, umbrages you can take, um, you know, uh, verbally, that I enjoy, <laughs> you know, you get a you get a chance to slang an f word in there every once in a while, you know. It's like, hey, I said it as a joke, you know. Sometimes, like a punchline, the curse word matters. Yes, of course. But you always like in my world, I would always have to edit it for you know network TV or even like when I do stuff with BET, you can't really curse on BET, and so it's like it's fun to be able to kind of push those the envelope that way. But from a structural standpoint. Our sitcom is very much like, you know, King of Queens or anything you guys are used to watching. It's a multi-cam uh, sitcom, so it's it has very much that feel to it. Yo, so, all right. So I'm going to do it like Last Dance. We're talking about current things, and then I'm going to go rewind all the way back to the beginning. Okay. How did, how did you get that role in Juice? Okay, so the f- the thing about Juice that's interesting is, like, the background with I had with um, the director of Juice. Um, with Ernest Dickerson, who's um, a guy that I've known. I was a 12-year-old intern. I was so into being behind the scenes even early on in my acting career that I kind of hustled my way onto the set of Do the Right Thing Mm. at 12 years old and and, and met Ernest and Spike and Sam Jackson. I mean, all all those cast members and all the people behind the scenes became, you know, I became like the, the, the mascot of the set. Like, everybody... I was like, the, I, I had a bunch of big brothers and big sisters on that set, and Ernest Dickerson was one of them. So when I went, you know, kind of progressed in life, started auditioning, I auditioned for Juice. And I auditioned for one of the other roles. I was kind of close to getting a part of Steel, but mm. I had ended up auditioning for another independent film that I did with Jeff Goldblum and Rosanna Arquette. And so they wanted me to come back in and read, but I couldn't because I had already signed my contract. And I mean, it, it all worked out perfectly. But when I got back to New York, they were still shooting juice. So Ernest reached out and was like, yo, we want you to do something in the movie. I want you to be a part of this cast any way you can. So at the time, Omar Epps and I, we were best we were best friends. We went to high school together and we were working on, he knew we were trying to write. So if you remember the scene in the pool hall, where we were talking about Brenda Witherspoon shining the silver. Me mm-hmm. and Omar wrote that scene, like literally on the back of some side mm-hmm. pages on that pool table that was in the um in the in, in, in that uh scene, we wrote it on the back of side pages, and then, you know, one night me and Omar, I remember we were hanging out. This is a Saturday night. We're hanging out, and I get a call from the AD, and they're like, "Yo, Ernest needs you guys. We got to do some reshoots. We need you guys to come up, uh, come up back to Harlem and shoot the uh, the last scene in the movie," and that's when the the whole "You got the juice now" thing went down. Funny thing about that part. Was the one that you guys saw that's in the movie? There's only three good takes of that, because me and Omar had, um, let's say, we had a, a, a few recreational things on the way oh, to set. No. So we was a little saucy, 
<laughs> we had to like we had to we had to recalibrate our situation to get into the mode, and we were not in, a, in like a real serious place. So you know the fa- I remember every time we just kept, it was either I would break or he would break, and then one time we would get it, and I would look at him, and he would look at me, and we just both bust out laughing. And Ernest was just sitting there like, yo, I'm going to knock both of y'all out. I can't believe y'all. Now, Mitch, was that regular for shooting another movie? Or was it because it was at the end and y'all was happy to be sort of wrapping things up? Like, why was y'all showing up to work No, late? but you know, you know what was crazy? It was just because they, we hadn't, I legitimately, like, that that day was not planned for me or him to be shooting. Ah, And okay. something ended up happening. I think that's when we had to, we were doing reshoots. So, that, like, you know, like, I did, I shot the original season of Juice when I was, in my senior year of high school. So this is almost like close to six months later, they had to do some reshoots. And that's when the uh, the final You Got the Juice Now thing became a part of... That was not in the script either. Those are those are things that kind of just happened throughout the creative process that, um, you know, now is, you know, infamous. <laughs> Yo, how, sick, how sick is that, like, going to the movie theater, catching, the, like, a classic film like Juice. You're in the theater, you know what's about to happen, and people first time seeing it, and you get yeah. that part just to close it out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Yo, You know, it's, 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 it's real cool now, but the weird part about when Juice was out was, like, I was working a regular job. Like, I, was, I, was, I, was uh-huh. living, I worked at A&S Plaza, right? You remember yeah, that? the mall. The Manhattan Mall now was yeah. A&S Plaza back then. And I used to work at Jeans West. And so I'm like selling like two for 10 socks and walking. I remember I walked, I would walk out of the mall and there was a big ass juice sign, like a, like a, like right outside on Broadway. You know what I'm saying? So that was, it was, it was pretty crazy to kind of like the juxtaposition of my life. You know, I'm, I'm still just kind of living my life, but I happened to be in a movie that was, you know, the buzz of the town. So it, it was, it was kind of surreal, man. It was, it was a little crazy. Yo, the a- ANS Plaza had a jingle when it first opened. The like, ANS Plaza has got it all. Yes, Your favorite yes. stores in one great mall. <laughs> ANS, it's I a mall. <laughs> oh man, so, uh, they had they had uh, uh, all the good. They had Oak Tree up in there. Jeans West was we was across the street from there. I mean, a lot of great. I, I, that was a lot of good times, man. A lot of good times. <laughs> so. First of all, when you said that line, when you know, when you recorded that scene, mm-hmm. did you know? Obviously, this term didn't exist yet, but did you know it would be a memeable moment? It would be a line that people would repeat over and over again. No, not at all. I, 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 I still sometimes like, like I still laugh to this day about how that's become like every rapper references it as you know, you I got the juice, and you know, I, I, I never ever thought ever in my life that it would. I mean, like, legitimately, my kids, I got two, my wife and I have two boys that are 22 and 15, and, like, we're out in public often, and, you know, they're like, you know, yo, is that, is your dad the dude? And they're like, yes, that's my father, yes, that's, like, they're kind of annoyed by it, they're kind of annoyed by it, but, um, no, I had no idea, man, I, it's, it's, it's a real blessing, it's like, you just never know what to connect with people, what, what, what will have stay in power, so, you Mitch. know. You mentioned that um, you went to high school with Omar Epps. I did a quick Google, and I saw that it's LaGuardia High School, which yeah. is a performing arts high school. New York people know it as the less Dang. cool art and design. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, way less rappers went to LaGuardia, but it's known as, like, yeah. you know, people who were into the arts went there, like theater sure. type of kids and For all sure. of that stuff. How soon did you know? Because you said at 12 you found yourself on the set of... 
do the right thing. How soon did you know you wanted to get into showbiz? I mean, I had been acting like I had been taking classes since I was like nine years old. Like this is wow. sincerely the only thing I ever wanted to do in my life, man. Thank God I found a way to make some money and supporting a family doing it because wow. I didn't really have no other option. I didn't have no plan B. I was I was kind of out there. So, you know, it was one of those things like I had been acting and doing theater in New York City and, you know, Negro Ensemble Company, a lot of off-Broadway uh, pieces and things like that. So, I was really trained as an actor, obviously, but I was always attracted to the the, the, the words, the scripts, the developing of characters, and and how to see the arc of a of a of a character from beginning to middle to the end. So, I guess it was just always in my blood, man. I was always going to end up doing this somehow, some way, you know. That's awesome, yeah, man. Yeah. So, so explain to us how one stumbles onto the set of Do the Right Thing. It's all you know. What I'm saying that's like they always say, like it's who you know. It was yeah. like one, I had a friend, a friend of mine, who was an, uh, also gotten uh, by the name of Dave Batiste, and Dave had been doing a lot of behind the scenes work, a lot of PA work on a lot of different films. I think he worked on, he worked on every like black movie basically that was shot in New York City. So he was very plugged in, and just I remember the first day he told me that I'm about to work on this Spike Lee movie, and yeah, you guys remember at the time like a Spike Lee joint. It was like you know it was like. It was such a buzz to it. And mm. I, I remember I had just seen School Days, and I was just so like just in love with the thought of being able to be around him. So I said, yo, ask if they're looking for interns. And so next day he, he hit me up and told me they were looking for interns and gave me the address. And I got on the train in Brooklyn, and they was like, well, you got to get a, uh, you got to, you know, I think I had to get a work permit. Cause I was twelve, so yeah, my mom too young. To, yeah, my mom had to doctor my work. Cause I told her what I wanted to do, and I guess she was like, "I'd rather you be on a movie set all summer than out with the sure. knuckleheads doing doing something negative." So, she she found a way to help me get my my uh, my work permit, and then I you know that I was on the set all day every day on you know from five in the morning till eight at night, and then we would go I would go to do the the dailies, watch the dailies with the whole cast and crew. And I mean, I'm I'm 12 years old, hanging out with grown men like John Carlos Esposito and Sam Jackson. We all in the uh, Robin Harris, Martin Lawrence. Like you know, this is my childhood, you know. But I got right. Rosie Perez is mesmerizing back then. Oh my God, it was even <laughs> Rosie Perez. Man. <laughs> my wife in the other room. You ain't gonna try to <laughs> talk about Rosie Perez, man. You know. Good times, boy. Let her say She tapped me on my head. She was giving me a little bit of attention. You know, I was a little sporty back then. She wasn't really paying me no mind, but yeah, it was it was good times back then, man. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. All right. So so fast forward to you know you're writing for these big you know specials, these award shows, the BET Awards, BET Hip Hop Awards, Oscars, Emmys. Uh, how how did you're a writer. How do you get into that lane of writing, though? Because I feel like that's another kind of different kind of lane yeah, uh, than, I, than pitching shows and whatnot. It was just one of those things where, you know, it was like for me, it was just, again, the hustle. I had a young child and, you know, I was just trying to find a way to feed my family, man. And so, I, again, I had, a, I had a very good friend by the name of Jesse Collins, who at the time was working for a production company called Cassette. Uh, productions and they did the BT Awards, they did the Grammys and I just like legitimately was in a very humble place in my life man I was doing telemarketing like I was like kind of like feeling like everything was over like you know I, I wasn't in the best place um, just mentally at the time and I remember I reached out to Jesse and was like yo man 
I know you guys are doing the BET Awards. I would love to just, again, like I asked to intern as a writer. Mm. Like, let me come pitch jokes. Like, you know, I'm a grown man now with a kid and, and a wife, and I'm just trying to find a way to provide. I'm like, if I impress, like, you know, you don't have to pay me nothing. Pay me what you can, you know? Mm. And and so Jesse, let me. He, he, I remember he said, let me call you right back. And he hit me back and said, like, look, he said, there's no way I can get you on as an intern. But what I can do is I can, I can get you $1,000, and wow. you come on. And you could pitch some, just pitch jokes, just pitch it, put as many jokes in the scripts as you possibly can. That BET Awards was the year that um, that Will and Jada hosted, mm. and that was uh, oh sure about seventeen years ago, and I've never wow. not been writing the BET Awards since then. Wow! I mean, I, wow! I was so aggressive and so hungry, and I remember I pitched this thing to Will. They were looking for like a Fresh Prince reunion bit, and I pitched this thing, and like I, it was like the. Like one of those those moments in your life where you're like, oh man, I actually I can do this. Wow. You know, I wasn't intimidated by the fact that it was Will in the room or anything. I went in and I pitched this idea. And he was like, I love that. Write that up. And from that moment on, you know, I kind of progressed to being, you know, one of the writers to maybe three years later becoming the head writer. And I've been the head writer for those shows ever since, man. And of course, through those relationships, I met the people that I ended up working with on the Emmys and working on the Oscars with. It's the same group of people like i know everybody kind of looks at these shows and judges them from a different place but it's very much the same brain trust right. inside mechanism you know that does mm -hmm. all of the same shows so uh, on google it says you moved to la when you were 21 years old wow and so how long was the time between 21 and will and jada oh man i got I, probably about three and a half four years or so Wow, you know, that was, I had the reason I moved out here was to you know, uh, my other best friend is Marlon Wayans, and him and his brother were doing "Don't Be a Menace." Pick that name that you just dropped. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Pick that up off the ground, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> but so he they, flew, they had to fly me out to LA to shoot. Um, they wanted me to do a cameo. The the you got the Juice Now line for their movie. And and then I ended up just staying out here. I remember I came out here with a week's worth of clothes to LA and just never came back. Like That's I, I can only imagine what a young New York City cat is first time ever in LA just doing a movie. I can only imagine the I mean, kind of thing. The wildest was I literally got off the plane and went straight to set. And it was funny because the set was the house in Minister Society. What 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 Kane got shot in the end? Like it was, I went, I got literally drove. Like it was like all you needed was like some boom, 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 boom. boom. That's all you needed. Like I, if I had a theme song, that was my theme song getting off the plane, bro. Because I I was literally like hoisted right into the world, and it was, it was a, it was, a, it was a crazy time, man. It was crazy time. Yeah, that that first of all, that's hilarious. But second of all, you you just thought I made me think of a question. Can you answer this? Because I feel like this is a trivia question that probably nobody can answer mm -hmm. accurately. How many weigh-ins are there working in show business? I need an exact Ooh. number. Okay. <laughs> um, there's obviously Keenan, Marlon, Sean, Kim, the nephews, Craig, Damien, Damon Jr. I forgot da Damon himself. Um, the, the other little nephews, uh, I would say there's about, there's Mikey, which was Damon's son. Um, I would say about there's 10 
physical weigh-ins. <laughs> wow. That are physically doing something either in front or behind the camera. I left, oh, Summer, who's uh, Craig's sister, Marlon's niece, who's there, the, 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 the daughter of his sister. Like, there's about 11, now, now that I think about it, if I think a little hard, I might come up with some more. But it's definitely 11 of them currently working in a business. So when you go over to Marlon's house as a kid, uh-huh. what was what was that experience like? Because in my mind, all these funny people in the same household. I, I grew up yeah. in a household where everybody roasts the hell out of each other. Oh man! And none of us are pros. So I'm thinking uh, about them. No, the craziest thing was like I remember when I when, when me and Marlon and Ostar first going to school and hanging out together. We were, they still lived in the projects. Like wow. this is. This is pre I'ma get you sucker. Like the, you know, mm. Keenan was doing the Robert Townsend specials. Like it hadn't popped yet. You know, live and living color hadn't really popped yet. So, you know, we would I remember going to the projects and you know, everybody has a roast skill in the Wayne's family, though. It's not like it's not just um centralized to the ones that are in the business. In some cases, the sisters who are not in the business are funnier than them. Mm, wow. Because they they don't have no filter. They raw. <laughs> you know, like Marlon's older sister, Elvira, I used to be afraid of her because she just was like, fuck they doing over here? And she would like, in the midst of fussing about you, she like roast you in a way. Like, Cut your ass up. Little. Yeah, she would light, they, they would light you up. So it was, it was like, you know, feast of famine. But I, I, I give them, I give Marlon's family an ultimate credit because I never even thought about being a comedy writer or being uh, exposing myself to the, my comedy. I didn't know I had a comedy skill until they helped me see the funny in myself. You know what I'm saying? So I give them all the props for that because otherwise, I don't know, I might, I might be a garbage man right now. <laughs> might be no resume, <laughs> you know, so, from the writing side. So is that how the, the Chappelle special uh, ended up happening? Um, in terms or is of that more... In terms of the Mark Twain Prize, or was that more more the award show kind of? Yeah, that was uh, just an Illuminati. Uh, that was one. Of the <laughs> <laughs> Illuminati. Yo, you know what? It was one of the, I had worked for this company before. Um, one I, one of the uh, the head writer of that show was a guy named John Max, who I worked with. John works with Chris Rock. Uh, he he writes for all the major award shows, the Oscars. So John is like he's the plug man. You know, he's the guy like. I need my I need I need my guy I need I need that sauce and he'll always hit me up and so when the Dave Chappelle thing came around I was actually working on um, Kids Say the Darndest Things with Tiffany last summer mm-hmm. and that came at the same time and I was just trying to basically manage to do both because I'm so inspired by Dave man I I love Dave Dave is I've known Dave for a very long time and I just wanted to be a part of that because I knew how just how special it was it was one of those things where. It wasn't the highest paying gig I ever had. That was one of them, you got to do it for the love kind of thing. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know what I'm saying, we got a couple bottles of water off of that one. It wasn't you know very lucrative. But at the same time, it was just the prestige of being able to honor somebody while they were still here. You know, I, I couldn't pass that opportunity up. Is that a, is there a pressure there? Like you- Oh, absolutely. I, I always say this, I mean, you know, it's like, I've been able to, you know, thankfully been able to, you know, have a pretty decent career as a writer. But every time I get a writing job like that, I'm like, oh, shit, this is the one. They're about to find me out. I've been getting out all this time. I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. I've been conning these motherfuckers all this time. And they're going to find me out on this one. Like, 
They're gonna man. find me out. Uh, all right, so man, let me tell you something. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you are sequestered inside your house. That's a fancy way of saying stuck. You're in the house. It's just you and your significant other. I want you to pay close attention to what I'm about to say here. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, can help you out and make the most of your time together. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving your balls. It's time to quarantine, Manscaped, and chill. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. You're probably spending more time than ever with your significant other right now. Let me tell you, if you don't keep it clean down there, your partner will notice. And even if you don't have a partner, you know, this quarantine ain't going to last forever. You don't want to leave looking like Encino Man down there. You want to be taken care of clean and tight. Trey, I don't know if you know this. Um, I used to manscape with a device that was not from Manscaped. Really? Yeah, yeah it wasn't fun because I'd be cutting and it was, and I got and like, you jump because it's almost like the clippers turned into a little piranha and it and just now you a, got a nutty butt yeah is that what it's called <laughs> no yeah, I, just, I just i just said it is now <laughs> so definitely stay away from the bootleg the wannabes the 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 kind of uh knockoffs you want to stay with the authentic manscape because manscape is forever changing the grooming game with the perfect package 3.0 essentials kit you guys hear me say this every week i'm gonna say it one more time i love this slogan so much the perfect tools for your family jewels the perfect package 3.0 comes with new and improved lawnmower 3.0 which is the waterproof cordless body trimmer it also comes with a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine this trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents like the one i just described millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to manscaped advanced skin safe technology if y'all ain't saying it the hell with it i'ma say it thank you manscaped of course, let's not forget about the crop preserver. It's a ball deodorant. It's anti-chafing and it moisturizes as well. I mean, think about it. We already deodorize our armpits, right? Why aren't we putting deodorant on the smelliest part of our body? Our nut sacks. Subscribers get a new replacement blade refill for your... <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on. A replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. This makes sure the trimmer is always fresh and clean. You don't want no rusty clippers going to work down there and for limited time subscribers get not one but two free gifts the travel bag which is a 39 dollars value add and the high performance anti-chafing manscaped boxer briefs perfect package for your perfect package for 20 percent off plus free shipping use the promo code bom at manscaped.com do yourself a favor always use always use the right tools for the job that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BOM manscaped.com code BOM for 20% off and free shipping your partner your body and your balls will all thank you so now let me let me shift gears a bit because okay. as a show we've been watching this show on Netflix called Hollywood yes about and I, I think our viewers, we, we kind of gave them the heads up. We were talking about this like a couple of weeks ago. Hopefully most of them have watched. If you haven't watched, it's okay. We're not going to get into details and spoilers, 
But I do want to talk about some overarching themes. Hollywood is is a show that takes place in post World War II Hollywood mm-hmm. when it started to become the golden age. Uh, the studios are still big powerhouses. People are coming from all over the country wanting to become movie stars. Mm-hmm. And at least for the first few episodes, a lot of it is about what are you willing to do yeah. to become a star in this town? Mm-hmm. And as I understand it, many of these events not only are true, but they're not just true for the 40s. They are true all the way to this day. And it's really the roots of a lot of the Me Too movement mm-hmm. we saw against people, against Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So, Mitch, my first question is, <laughs> you are a Hollywood vet, an OG. Mm-hmm. You have been behind the curtain. Yes, have you witnessed not the acts, the acts, but the, uh, the propositioning or anything like that, the untowardness of how work gets divvied up in this town? You know what's crazy, man? I I have not been ex- I've not been exposed to that side of Hollywood. <laughs> like mm. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna act like it does not happen, but it always feels from the my vantage point, it's always way more organic. You know, in a situation where it's like you know, you're on set, you're working with somebody, you, you always have this thing like, wait a minute, I think they hooked up. I think something's mm-hmm. going on with them. You know, mm-hmm. and in certain cases, you will see like the aggressive young PA dude who's kind of flirting with the older EP lady mm-hmm. and, you know, or vice versa. It's the, the you know, the, the young <clears throat> PA girl who's who's kind of, being extra attentive to the to the OG producer dude on set, so I've seen it kind of uh, materialize itself in that vantage point. But as far as like like I w- I started watching Hollywood last night, and I have I have heard of these stories too. Like you know like the everybody got to get out. <laughs> like yes. if, you're not, if you're not with it, then you got to go. Kind of kind of vibe. I've I've heard of these parties. But I have I feel very square in that I have not <laughs> I have not been I'm privy to these um these type of uh get downs. <laughs> well, Mitch, the, the reason why the reason why I brought the show to the attention of the crew is because look again, I'm watching this shit in real life in real time, and as it's playing out, and like you said, you've heard the stories, yeah, like literally to a T, the conspiracy theories that you always hear about people that get into the music game, get mm-hmm. into the, the mm-hmm. movie or TV game mm-hmm. is you got to suck dick to get on, right? Yeah. Like these gatekeepers yeah. who could push a button on your career, which literally there are these people who exist who mm-hmm. could, could just sign a paper and you're yeah. on now. You're going to get oh, yeah. placed on a TV show. You'll get a nice role in a movie. Like these mm-hmm. people exist and they're like, yo, it's favor trading. And if you don't get in good with mm-hmm. the gatekeepers in you know, this sort of way. And it can happen. I, th- I think the show is really nuanced because they're like, a lot of these cats are closeted homosexuals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they can't be out gay. They feel like for whatever reason, they can't be outwardly gay and they take advantage of young people who are coming up into well, the you, game. And I think that's, know, the, that's, the, that's the conspiracy shit you hear the most. Sorry. To me, the one makes me laugh about that is that obviously that was the times that they were living in because nowadays, I don't think is that same. You ain't got. I don't think you got to hide anything like like right. that anymore. And in some cases, it's it's very much like we're very fr- we're much more freer 
thinkers and a, a more free society in terms of, you know, nobody's judging anybody based on their, you know, their sexual preferences back as they were back then. Like, it's funny, like, they were talking about the scandal with a dude. I don't want, I'm not I'm about to blow it. I don't know if I'm going to blow yeah, it's it. All right. it's but it was all right. like, when, when the dude was about to get uh, arrested for, for being a, a male prostitute, I'm like, right, right. That might be a big up to somebody nowadays in the rap game. <laughs> you know what? The movie game, like, what? You was out there slanging peen? <laughs> profit? Like, you the man now. Like, you know, that, like, that would have been a completely different thing. Like, how Scandal, to me, that's what made me laugh about it. Like, I always see the comedy and things. It was like, that's not a bad thing that you was a male prostitute. <laughs> like, I mean, especially for the dude, uh, for John, I think his name is. Like, you was... You you basically went and found a gay dude to do your gay uh yeah, sex. He outsourced the gay. Yeah, you outsourced your gay. Like <laughs> he was an enterprising young man. And 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 to you know, spoiler alert for, for people who haven't watched the show, um, there's a scene <laughs> there's there's a scene like later on in the season where he wants he tells this dude like, yo, you should be my agent, you should represent me. Yeah. Um, Jim Parsons or whatever. Yeah. He tells Jim Parsons' character, you should be my agent, you should represent me. And Jim Parsons basically like, ah, right, you gotta suck some dick right, right now. Right, right. <laughs> and like the part in the show though, it's like his heroic moment that he does it. Right, like he's right, like, right. I'm gonna do it the clean way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it the right way. I'm not gonna suck dick. <laughs> Jim Parsons gave me nightmares, bro. Like his character is so dark oh, and so, so sleazy, bro. Like he's that, that. I mean, I have been around some sleazy Hollywood people like that in those areas that just kind of sling their power around. And yeah, so his character was probably the like. It made me like my skin crawl, not because of what he's the things he said. It was just like he, he really like kind of would bait and switch you. Like, I felt bad for Rock Hudson all the time. He made he made Rock, Rock Hudson a sympathetic character. <laughs> Yo, Trey. Trey, you grew up in L.A., uh, and so some of these circles you've seen kind of play out, especially as, as you got older. Was there anything you saw in Hollywood that's like, you see like, oh, yeah, that's that's my town right there? Man, I, I mean, I'm seeing tons of stuff, like, play out because um, one of the kids, actually, Little Kane in Minnesota Society, mm -hmm. he also played in, um, I'm trying to think, man, what else? He lived down the street from me. So he was, like, one of the first, like, actual actors, you know what I'm saying, like, that that I ever seen. I'm like, yo, you're famous, bro. But you're like a kid too. So it's kind of like hard to like, cause your parents is getting you go out and they kind of got to kind of funnel it down. So you're not technically rich mm -hmm. and, and seeing it in that situation. I think when I got older, cause obviously there was just rumors, always rumors like, Oh, did you know this person slept with this person or this and that? And then when I started getting into these parties and I'm seeing a lot of stuff and I'm just like, again, like, like you said, Mitch, that you can kind of catch a vibe that something has happened. Mm -hmm. and But then it was also like one year this dude is straight and then another year he just full blown, like right. out of the blue. You like, <laughs> bro, like right. what happened? Like, I ain't got no problem with you, but what happened from like night to day? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I just turned my head, but then also there also has been parties where it's like, hey, bro, we about to slide or you yeah. got to go. I've left before, like, just because 
you know, just stuff is just kind of cracking. You get to you get higher in the hills and you lose service. Yeah, and it's time to go. Areas, you got to make instant decisions, and yes. you probably already <laughs> been drinking or or smoking or whatever it is, whatever your drug of choice is. So you got to be very much have your wits about you in those situations because it's you know, always the, the plus one rules too, though. Like, yeah. can I trust this dude? Yeah. Is he gonna actually be cool, or is he gonna run his mouth and go tell some shit? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you gotta, it was you gotta be careful, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 hundred yeah, percent. I mean, like, you know, obviously the party I roll with, we ain't never really. We was more so. I actually got cool with a couple gay dudes just to like be the plug for the chicks. Mm. So I'd be like, hey, bro, like, <laughs> yeah, you can come to the party, but you gotta bring her. And her, and her. You know what I'm saying? Because this is pre, this is like Instagram was kind of warming up. So you had to kind of like rub shoulders with those dudes, whether it was uncomfortable or not. Because it's in a scenario of like, most people from the hood don't understand that gay dudes don't want you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not going to go in a situation of like, yo, he better not be looking at me. I like that. Like, it's like, nah. They know if they can turn you or not. Or they like, yo, that's just a homie. And yeah, like, all right, yeah. Oh, you want to talk to her? All right, I'll set it up and won't right. give you no funny stuff between that and they really plug you. So, you know, in those situations, they always they always could lure in the, the celebrity that you probably wanted. You know what I mean? Where you Mitch. thought you had no chance to, where the bodyguard's like, bro, where you going? They could be like, hey, that's my <laughs> homie. I went to school with him. He cool. Girl, get his number. I know he only got 900 followers, but trust me, he cool. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mitch, I want to ask you, though, because, you know, like, for me personally, and I think Amin could kind of speak to this, too. Like, I heard all of the rumors, all of the conspiracies, all of the nightmare stories about the show business, right, on mm-hmm. music and movie side or whatever. Yeah. And we watched people who we're close with on the Dreamville side with Jay Cole and them mm-hmm. blow up and kill and whatever. And I remember the first time, like, after they blew up, Mm-hmm. And somebody bringing up these sort of rumors and innuendo. I was like, yo, I know for a fact that Eve and Cole and them right. <laughs> didn't do any of that shit. They right, don't right, worship right. the devil. They right, don't right, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Like, I, I, like, I uh, know for a fact these whole You remember them days, the Illuminati? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many times, man, like, you know, just the fact that, you know, even amongst me and my friends that we come up in the game together, and you hear you hear stories, and it's like that's I'm just hanging out with my homie, like like you know they just they, it, sometimes people just try to make something more than what it really is, you know. They they it, they can't imagine like three dudes hang out with each other, and they 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 make somewhat made it in Hollywood, and they didn't do anything, you know, lascivious in order to get it, <laughs> like you know, like mm-hmm. they had to sell their souls at some point, or you know drink the bleach or whatever the hell it was. But, <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've seen that happen. Like, I remember one time there was this thing out about you know, Marlon's brother, Sean, and, you know, then there was another story about Marlon and Omar because they always together. And it's like, like, niggas can't have lunch? Like, like, what's, <laughs> like, like what's wrong with people, man? And it's just, to me, it's like, as I've gotten older in the game, I got, like, I, like I said, I've been doing this all my life. So to me, it's just kind of funny now. It's like, that's like, that's almost like the first tier of success is like, you know, your gay rumor. 
right. you got to almost right. get that, and it's almost like a rite of passage. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I made it to Yeah, you're not on yeah. until somebody accuses you of being a closeted yeah. homosexual. Yeah, like, yo, right. I, thought, I, I thought I saw you at this party. Well, I'm like, no, what, what are you talking about? I was in bed with my wife. No, 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 that was you. I know you. That, they had your glasses on. I'm like, yeah, but everybody <laughs> they got They had your glasses on. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, people be trying to really, like, put you in a spot. So hey, you got- man, I'm from a city where, man, they, they associated being vegetarian with being gay, bro. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they like, nigga, you, you don't eat meat no more? Oh, no, you don't shop your bananas, yo? This nigga gay, man. <laughs> you don't shop your bananas? <laughs> what? Uh, oh, my <laughs> God. Uh, yo, all right. So the, the other question I had about this show that I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you was, was mm-hmm. meta. It's not about what's in the show, but how the show was made. Yeah. And, and kind of spoiler alert, the you know the the main movie they're trying to get made in that show gets made with mm-hmm. a black lead actress yeah. and a black writer credit a black gay writer credited mm-hmm. and and a lot of the kind of niche uh, I guess uh, you know subcultures mm-hmm. being open and celebrated in mm-hmm. the year 1948 49 and was like I texted the the you know was and the guys I said. It kind of the show turned whack for me mm-hmm. in that like yeah and so but I wanted to know as a writer Mitch mm-hmm. um when you're writing something part of me is like I understand the desire for a positivity of how things quote unquote should be right but on the other hand I'm kind of like no nah, man like that's not how it is don't fool these people into thinking this is how it is how it is is a lot darker and a lot bleaker. Yeah. And so as a writer, I want to know what your thoughts are of, I'm, obviously I'm not talking about strict comedy here. Yeah, yeah. We, we all here for the jokes, but I'm mm-hmm. talking about in terms of just narrative and story arc, mm-hmm. going for, like why I said, more of a fairy tale than a dark reality that things don't always work out. Well, you know, I think sometimes it's because of the fact that where we are, and I think art always reflects society. And I think it's funny for me as somebody who like legitimately just started watching this show last night, so it's very fresh into my mind. You know, when when the uh, when the process came down to them uh, doing the the screen test, it felt to me like the uh, the white girl blew the audition on purpose, mm. and the black girl wasn't as good. But sometimes it's all. I mean, and, and a lot of times in this industry, it's all about timing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I re- I'm a part of whatever you want to call like the black film boom. Like, I remember being around when, you know, all these act like Giancarlo Esposito, I've been doing movies forever, but thankfully those Spike movies kind of put him in a position where now he's heralded as one of the great actors of our time. He might have been a theater actor who you might know his, know his face but not know his name kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel like it's almost interesting to me that we're so uh, conditioned to, to to think the worst of a situation that I think every once in a while it's okay for us to also experience the other side of a narrative where uh, something can go in the right way for a character or can go for and go into a positive. So I don't I think art in and of itself can can it can be different things to different people and every project doesn't have to follow a box. You know, I think that's the big, the biggest issue I think we have as an audience. I, w- I really hope that our audience now that there's so many things that we can look at 
you know, probably more than ever in our lives right now, uh, as far as things are written by or, or written towards the black audience. But they all come from, like, there's different perspectives. The people, there's, and, and like, the same crowd that The Wire is made for, Insecure is made for, right? But there, there's, there's it's different stories to tell. And I think it's okay for us to be able to, you know, not, you, you, we don't, you can't be pleased with 100% of anything art-wise. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I think it's incumbent upon the artists, guys like me and, and, you know, people like Issa or, you know, Kenya Barris or, you know, these guys that are, you know, creating shows. Like, we have to have the ability to try to be able to tell the story the best way we see fit. And hopefully the majority of people can vibe with it, even if you have a, a, a issue with it. You know what I'm saying? That, that's fair. It's fair for you to how you interpret art is different from maybe how I did. You know, in certain perspective, uh, certain from certain perspectives, but I think it's I think it's incumbent upon artists to make sure that we stay true to the, the story we want to tell. Right. I hope I answered your question. No, you you did because it, it just sparked another question in my head <laughs> that I, I had a couple of years ago when the show Atlanta came out. Uh huh. I I liked the show, mm-hmm. but I, I at the same time I felt that like a lot of people went overboard. The mm-hmm. praise because mm-hmm. it was an in thing to like Donald Glover. Absolutely. And like I anything that was, right? You know what I'm saying? And I, I believe it's an excellent show. Mm-hmm. To me, he's an excellent writer mm-hmm. as an actor or as a comedian or as a music guy. Mm-hmm. I call him bootleg Jamie Foxx. Oh, like to me, everything that this whole movement two years ago, people yeah. exalting him, like. No, no, that's what y'all should be saying about Jamie. Because yeah. Jamie really is that talented. He yeah. is elite at all these different things. Yeah. But at the same time, because he is a black creative in an industry that is not always welcoming to black creatives, mm-hmm. I felt bad whenever I would criticize Donald Glover. Yeah. I'm like, it ain't but a handful of us out there. Yeah. yeah. Should I should I pull back? And so let me ask you as a creative, as someone who's working in the industry, mm-hmm. what is the protocol on if I don't like someone's work, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm also cognizant that that might be the only shot we get. For sure. In, uh, as far for as sure. representation, either behind or in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy for me um, is like I find myself more oftentimes than not trying to do my best not to critique because then for what I do, it, it kind of can damper my own creativity. You know, mm-hmm. it's not my place to critique another artist. Now, there are some times where I have seen things that I'm not necessarily a fan of or that, you know, I, I can see it's like a hype scenario where every, like, like for instance, like you said, I remember that time when, like, you couldn't say anything negative mm-hmm. against Donald Glover because, or the show, because everybody, you would be the contrarian right. in that scenario. Um, but, but at the same time, the show, the show itself was so good, like, but you could still have a critique, but I remember just recently when Black as Fuck came out and I'm a big Kenya Barris fan. Now, a lot of people didn't like the show. I did because I recognize myself and I'm not Kenya Barris level. I am not. Please, I want all your your audience to know. I am not comparing myself. Not, I'm not that rich. I am not that rich. I do not have Gucci on top of Gucci. Okay, okay. I'm letting y'all know that right now. 
My car is humble as fuck. I'm looking at it right now. It's not that. But I saw it through a different lens. So I recognized it. Like, you know, my wife and I were watching it, and there was an episode where Rashida was like, instead of the mom bringing the oranges, she brought a whole orange Julius truck to the baseball game. My wife, I've never seen my wife laugh so hard at something because... If I had Kenya money, my wife would do some shit like that. Recognize <laughs> herself in the in in that role, you know what I'm saying? And right. I would be the like that. I have two chains that I I literally wear out sometimes, and I always have this thing about what well, is this too much to wear my chains? Like I always wanted to have like when I got my own money, I always wanted to wear my chains. So like I remember like a couple birthdays ago, my my wife bought me some Gucci sneakers. And I never really wear them because I feel like I've always wanted to have real Gucci sneakers, not no Canal Street Gucci sneakers. <laughs> yeah. Like I wanted some real live Gucci sneakers. And I had a Gucci belt, but I, I was always subconscious of wearing it, subconscious about wearing it because I didn't know if I was being too gaudy. You know what I'm saying? But So I think all art is, again, it's interpretation. And I think it's um, we have to be able to... What, what I don't want to happen... I mean, I'm sorry to go on about this, but what no, I don't no, want, no. what I don't want to see happen is we in a creative community begin to curtail ourselves to the point where we're trying to tell the stories to please y'all. Mm. Like that's dangerous. That's yep. artistically dangerous. Like you mentioned J. Cole. If J. Cole start making records that don't speak to his true experience, he's never gonna be able to be himself again. And I think that's the scariest thing for artists like me. Like, I do have a resume, and I, I've, but I'm in a place right now where I'm developing my, like, you know, this pandemic has allowed me the time to develop some shows. And if I try to go into some box, like, you know, okay, Amin is going to fuck with it if I do it like this, then I'm not being fair to Mitch. And I'm putting mm. myself, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be able to sustain that show. You know, the thing about shows and what I love about Atlanta, what I love about Black as Fuck, what I love about Insecure, they are uniquely the perspective of the person that created it. You know, and I think that's the dope part because we we, we come from, I mean, I'm, I'm 46, man. I remember growing up in the Good Times era and it was just like, and that was a white guy telling a, a Black man's story. I mean, right. I, I, I love the empowerment we have. I mean, and, and, and do we hit it out the park all the time? Hell no, but I would love for us to get the us to be able to have the past that we can suck every once in a while, you know. I would. Well, love that's how we'll know we we are right there with white people. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the opportunity to be mediocre. Yeah, let me be, let me suck, <laughs> or let or let me get a, a award for some shit that wasn't that good. <laughs> There's a million motherfuckers walking around with awards for shit that wasn't that good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, I, or just like, it's so funny. I was talking to a dude today about the Oscars a few years ago when I wrote it, and I was saying how I still feel like Christian Bale got robbed for Vice. Like, I, I, I like, but white people don't complain about people not getting awards like we do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But if 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 Christian Bale was black, we still be writing about him not winning the best actor for Vice. Well, we would have to. Yeah, yeah, well, 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 yeah, because the whole idea is that Christian Bale, white people don't complain because they had like five yeah. other candidates. Absolutely, up in a row. he might have been nominated. We got, for, we got he was one. Nominated for two movies that year. Yeah, <laughs> there had, you go. He had cracks at it. 
Yeah, we 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 got we might have one guy up for yeah. one 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 award. Hey, Mitch, man, thank you so much for educating us, making us smarter, uh, and telling oh, us your story, bro. I I enjoyed my time, man. Appreciate I appreciate you. y'all, man. Thanks for appreciate having you, me, Mitch. This has been dope. Anyone who's dealt with erectile dysfunction knows how awkward it can be to talk about in person. Luckily, there's a simple, convenient solution to get the treatment you need without leaving the couch. Our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that you can connect with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need right from home. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, your medication can be shipped right to your door with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments, and you can cancel at any time and roman by the way isn't just for erectile dysfunction they also have a a great treatment plan for hair loss guys i ain't gonna lie to you i'm gonna hit up roman seeing about some pills seeing about some some drops so i can uh turn back the tide of hair loss that's happening to me and it was super easy i got online they made an appointment with me with the doctor the appointment took about 10 minutes he asked some questions answered the questions he made the prescription and within two days at my house i had the the minoxidil drip from my hair and the finisticide or whatever it's called the pills for the, the hairline hopefully i'm gonna come out of this quarantine with a new head of hair, and everyone would be like, I mean, did you get plugs? I'm like, no, but I got the plug from Roman. And right now, you can get the plug too. If you're struggling with ED, hair loss, whatever, stay home, go to getroman.com slash BOM for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash BOM for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, you know, it's that time again. Everybody's insecure. We got lovely Beam joining us. Hopefully, John Gervais is not frozen. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, B? Hey, nothing much. I'm just, you know, enjoying my little tequila and uh, Red Bull, watermelon Red Bull. Ooh. Yo, let me just let me just say right now, I did not know that tequila and the tropical Red Bull was such a fire uh, match made in heaven. I, I, I don't think I've had it. I, I need Yo, to get up on that. Was All-Star Weekend in Chicago. My my buddy works for the company that puts out 1,800 tequila. Okay. 1,800 had this new tequila coming out that was huge in Mexico that they were going to drop in the United States. The reason why they hadn't dropped in the U.S. was because literally they could not keep up with the demand in Mexico. Wow. So they had to wait until they made sure they could produce enough for the U.S. market. So, you know, I'm not a tequila guy myself. So I had in my mind, I'm going to take a couple of shots just to get loose, and then I'm going to be cool for the rest of the night. And they said, when I walked in, they were like, here are the signature drinks. And there wasn't no margaritas because I thought, oh, I might sip some margaritas or whatever. They said, we got this one, which is with a tropical Red Bull Fusion. I'm like, all right, let me give it a try. That jump was so fire, man. I was on that all night long. I Hell mean, yeah. it was like 10, 11 deep. 10, By the way, 11 deep? Easy. Nigga, Kenny was tapping um, the fuck out. 
Speaking <laughs> of drinks, and and we got B here, who's a Las Vegas resident. I want to say R.I.P. to Drace. I just uh, saw that they happened? laid Wait, off what? employees permanently, and Drace is no. done. No. It's over. It's a dub for Drace. Upstairs and downstairs? Yeah. Oh. R.I.P. The legendary night I never club. was cool enough to get into them clubs, so I... <laughs> Drace is the first... I feel like it's the first joint on the strip that went all out on rap. Yeah. And, like, booking rap acts and, like, like literally, like, they went in with the rap stuff because generally, like, the big clubs in Vegas would, they would book the EDM DJ cats to be their big music yeah. headliner True. type of shit. I and Drace was the first to really go head first into hip hop. But Yeah, I, I started at uh, Hayes Nightclub, which is now called Jewel. And okay. we used to book guys like Drake and Common. We even had Ryan Leslie come through. So, yeah, I mean. Jewel is in um, Aria? Yeah. Yep. Holded that a few there. summers ago. Yeah, like 2017 sure summer. Yeah, I yeah that. and that's where I got to see Michael Jordan hit the Dougie and get wasted. So before we start on the insecure part, let me because you tweeted that during during Last Dance, he he the goat is also the goat of holding his liquor, according yes. to Beast. Yes. I have <laughs> never in my life seen a human being drink the way that Michael Jordan drinks. And everybody's like trying to keep up. They couldn't keep up. I mean, he was man. he was the smoothest dude. Like you're you're not gonna outdrink MJ. He wasn't leaning. He was just you could just tell he was just loose and comfortable. He's dancing to everything that's coming on. Though. They were, yeah. <laughs> They'll beat <it> all day. <laughs> They'll beat <it? laughs> They were. You had Charles Barkley just like leaning up against the wall, like sliding yeah. down. Like we was like, yo, we might have to get the I'm- wheelchair for him. I've been out with Chuck before, man, and that's that. Uh, it's a lot. It's like a a baby rhinoceros to take Chuck down. As far as <laughs> you give him horse tranquilizer, that dude is still going strong. So right. That's yeah. pretty, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Trey, go ahead, lead us off, man. All right, man. So obviously, we ended the episode with the big argument, and you know we're coming off that hangover of that, and clearly this is still bothering her, and. I mean, I guess if you fall out with your best friend, it tends to happen. Someone that you consider your best friend, you know, and you <laughs> argue with them and, 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 and you think that things should be fixed the next day. And, and this apparently is something that she's on the crossroads with of like, should I reach out? Because she's so used to being this character, which I admitted to being last week, um, but now she's kind of talking to herself like, nah, I'm not going to call and reach out. What were your thoughts no. on that? So in my opinion, a lot of people were saying first that this is like a filler episode. But this was one of my favorite episodes of the season. I haven't laughed out loud this much at Insecure in a long time. Like this was so funny, but it was so needed because in real life, when you have an altercation with a friend, like you're not going to call this person immediately. Like, sometimes you got to let it breathe a little bit, give people time to, like, get their thoughts together before they can come to some sort of uh, agreement to even have a conversation. Like, I'm not I'm not going to be the first one to send a text, especially with with it being at, you know, if something happened at my event and she just like went off on me. But I understand her like checking her phone to see if Molly was going to reach out. But I mean, in real life, it just doesn't happen like that. So yeah, I'll go ahead. Yeah. I, I mean, I just happen to be the type of person, me myself, that I generally get over shit before people do. 
know what I'm saying? So I could see myself, especially if I'm getting pressure from my other homies to be like, yo, just squash it, blah, blah, blah. I could see myself reaching out. But I think, I, I really think Issa, and rightfully, I think she feels like she's completely in the right here. Like she, mm-hmm. she feels completely justified in everything that she d- did and that, you know, that Molly was acting freaking immature and insecure. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> she, she's sick of it. So I, I thought this was definitely a, a filler episode. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> one of those people. I thought this was a super filler episode, but I was extremely proud of Issa. I was happy for her because she she does not need to call Molly. Molly Drew. She, you know what I mean? So like, I was proud that she that she had that real rap moment with her and, and was just like, no, I'm not calling her. Cause she doesn't need to be the one to to, uh, to give in this time. Like it's it's time for Molly to just like. What is she apologizing for? I still yeah, don't like, understand yeah. what Molly wants an apology for. For you went for, behind my back to went my behind man. Her back to her man. To my you know man slash. She's talking about this nigga like he's he's her slave yeah. or property. Like yo, I mean, bro, she, <laughs> that's how she moves. So we got some highlights in there. I, I wanted to shout out Taco Mills. That was pretty dope for her to keep it L.A. in there. Um, also, my homegirl had her pop up in there randomly. I had to look on Facebook, and I was like, oh, shit, after I watched the episode again. Um, and Issa seems to be drained by all of this. Even though she had a small win, like, the small win was like, yo, she got some great feedback from it. You know, people are asking, like, when is the next one? What's going on? Who was the artist that performed? So she's getting, like, some happy shit about it, but she's still drained from... Damn, the only person I really want this to be celebrated by is the person I'm beefing with. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, when you, if you've ever thrown an event before, when you're finally done and you get a chance to go to sleep, you kind of wake up like, like it's a breath of relief. Like you just get a chance to like breathe. And in a way, she didn't really get a chance to do that because she had this on her mind. But at the same time, like, it takes time to kind of decompress because you've been on, in go mode for so long. And I don't, I, I feel like, you know, as much as I love uh, Kelly's character on there, I think she was just pressing Issa too hard to be the first one right. to reach out. But like, yo, like, let her enjoy the fact that she just had a successful event. Like, I felt like a lot of her people were kind of like, yo, you know, what was that last night? When instead they should have been like, yo, that was really dope. You know, congratulations. I think they, it was, I just really think it was a bit selfish. I think it goes hand in hand with who's Issa character is and that she's always apologizing and that everybody's used to it. And it's like, girl, get over it. Regardless, you've been the pushover. You're the fuck up friend. And there you go. You know what I'm saying? So the final final time that she hasn't fucked up, she's like... (laughs) Wait, yeah. hold on. I, I finally feel good about myself. I did something good. And y'all telling me to apologize? Hold on, hold on. Right. It's finally like getting to her. And that's why she has that reflection in the bathroom. I have a question. What did you think about uh, Mira Issa? Like, Let's, we got a lot of that. I feel like we haven't done that since the early seasons. Yeah, season We've gone away from that shit. Uh, it was great. The self-care Sunday me. promotion. That was That was awesome. And she's like, I know what it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's like pretty much. But the thing is, it's also Issa's her own worst enemy. Jeff so, shaking his head like, <laughs> you don't like Mary Issa? <laughs> He's just trying to figure her out, bro. Uh, it's, it's just too much. Like, I, I didn't need all that. Like, I, this was a super, <laughs> this is a super filler episode. Like, I don't understand. 
Like y'all, y'all really thought this was a dope episode? Like, cause I feel like everybody here thinks it's dope, and I'm just saying. I don't think it was dope. I just no. want you to watch it again. That's all, Jerf. <laughs> I just I want you to watch it, was, it again. I don't think it was dope, and and I do like it. Didn't advance the story in any meaningful way at no. all. Like we're exactly where we were when we left off after the party. Meaning, Molly and Issa still haven't spoken. Yeah. They're still upset at each other. Issa's still trying to figure it out. Um, but I still enjoyed the old man in the car. Like, so shouts to George, George, right? George is funny. George says some, some wild shit, bro. Um, right? That's wild. You just gonna let somebody get in your car and just tell you like. But Jerv, this is the thing. Like, the episode is showing you that Mo- because Molly called her selfish or always using people, she felt like it was her duty to yes. be doing good deeds. For yeah, strangers, she wanted to pay herself back in that. I get your car and just tell you just drive. Like, so, <laughs> so before that though, listen, it starts off in the it starts off in the dollar store where she's trying to help the pregnant chick. Her car gets declined, and I think we've. We've all been in that situation before. I can't speak for everybody, but I've definitely had my cart declined before, at, you know, when I was a broke nigga. So the <laughs> fact that it got declined twice, it was just one of those situations of like, ah, I feel her. But she also has a good intention of it. She know that, you know, pretty much like I don't got this money in there, but I'm going to try this anyway. Because sometimes, you know, the banks be like, all right, we're going to let you go, but we're going to hit you with that fee later. And shout out to uh, Current, right? And in the scenario, you know, she fails that time and she's like, all right, dang, dude just missed the bus. I want to double back on this, on this, on this good deed. She picks up the old homie, George, and George is automatically out of pocket. He says, I don't hit ladies, but I'll slap a bitch. (laughs) Then he gives us another great quote that says, want to give a nigga help, then help the nigga. (laughs) <laughs> like he had quotables the whole time and I think homie had all timers and he had some shit going on but you know he was just an intense character to like give a good deed for like this nigga's if you're driving in LA say I pick Jerv up and I'm like yo where you going bruh you can't just say go straight down La Brea because La Brea is a long, a long, 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 long street. So I'm feeling for her because I know her gas is hella low. She probably ride on like half a quarter tank. You know what I'm saying? She trying to do this good deed by driving this old man. He pull up to an old crib where his son like, yo, who, why, who got you here? Like, how did you even get here? He probably didn't escape the fucking convalescent home. Like, it's just a lot of shit that's up to unpack with that. And then we get like, you know, obviously her, her day is like, she's trying to, you know, she had plans. She was supposed to go to this paint sip. George done threw her off her whole, threw her off her little rock. She gets there and she meets friends. Shout out to my, my first grade, uh, classmate, Kyla Pratt, AKA Dina. That's what's up. You know what I'm saying? Compton's all. So she's from Compton. I did not know that. Her mom was my first grade teacher, Miss Pratt. Wow. So, um, You know, seeing Dina in there and, and the group of friends, the girls are from PG County, a.k.a. Pretty Girl County, a.k.a. D.C., DMV area. So they're really plugging that. And <laughs> they're supposed to be on a bride trip, which not people come to L.A. for. They normally go to Vegas. So this was this one right. kind of threw me off. Um, and they get Issa, they finesse Issa's with the, the gullibleness, like... 
you know, like, like I don't understand how you guys could not like this episode. Oh, this it was, was amazing! It, it was, was just hilarious. so action packed. It was so funny. <laughs> like, I like you. I, do Dee, I saw it. you tweet about like you wanted to explain, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of throw you the lob so you can get into your reaction into this. Man. The fact that like Issa didn't catch on, like they like girl, oh you the plug, and huh. that's a LA kind of scenario, which kind of threw me off of them <laughs> being DC because. Right. LA is normally like if you got the loud homie or the 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 the, the bragged braggadocious person that's like yeah and I get all this money and yeah I yeah. paid this we gonna be like all right nigga cool on you since you want to be that nigga we gonna put all the money on you so it was funny to go to the bathroom with this chick she's having you know kind of breaking down and I thought this was the most funniest shit too where she was breaking down the tears of men. Like, if you want this type of nigga, if you want a zesty nigga, go to West Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> if you want an artsy nigga, go to Los Feliz. <laughs> I'm just like, damn, niggas is getting chopped up in this shit, and they don't even know. <laughs> Trey, it's like that, Trey, it's like that map you sent. Oh, my God, chat. that map is so dirty. The map of L.A. where they it just said has... I wake, They said my city wake up mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of true, though. If it get hot because we don't got air conditioning, we got box fans and shit. It's a lot going. But B, and Long Beach weirdo niggas. Yeah, weirdo niggas, man. Shouts to Long Beach, man. So B, obviously, she finds out that she has to pay this bill because they ditched her. And she's in the car. And then they throw this fake scene. Man, and but that's what insecure has always done. They give us these moments where she's like, "This is what I really wish that I could do," but she's just not that person to be able to pull that shit off. She really showed her ass, bro. I was crying. I, yeah, when, when she broke the canvas over the chick's head, I was that was funny. She was I like, yelled, "Surprise attack in the crib!" I'm not gonna lie. I was like, "Surprise attack!" <laughs> I really thought a fight was gonna break out. And when it when they went back to her sitting in the car, I just like folded. I was like, weak because they was hunking at her. On. They was hunking at her ass like, yo, you need to move. <laughs> Whatever you're thinking about, you gotta go. <laughs> but it was just like they set us up for her to be for for us to be disappointed with her. Yeah. She had you know all of her friends. You know, of course they they supported her at her event, but she had a huge falling out with her best friend, and here she is making friends with this cool-ass group of girls, so we think, and then shit just turned left real quick, and it's just like, damn, Issa, like, you just can't catch a break. And honestly, when she made that phone call, I definitely thought she was calling some dick. I, I yeah, definitely thought too. it was going to be like that, that was a good okey-doke. I thought it was Lawrence. And by the way, speaking of which, man, um... The, the amount of dope black actors from black sitcom past yes. that, yes. you know, that we've seen on the show, Kim Fields, they showed in yeah. the preview, mm-hmm. um, you know. Uh, Wendy Raquel <laughs> Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. She's yes, she's dope. playing Issa's mom. Cole Brown was in an episode previously. You know like, what my favorite? She's going Waz, up you know, this season with that, bro. Waz, you know what my favorite is? Every season, they always have a TV show within the TV within the show. show yep. Which I wish and was those, a real show. And those are always jam-packed with features. Yeah. Like, th- that's my favorite thing. Whenever they cut to someone at home watching TV, You'll see what's it? The the uh the girl that disappeared. Uh, Finding Latoya. Not, 
find Latoya. It's supposed to be like Natalie Holloway, but it, it's 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 Latoya said, and just seeing like all the guest appearances in that thing, I always laugh so hard, man. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite little recurring jokes that they got on the show. So uh, the Insecure um, account posted like a snippet of Finding Latoya, so we could actually see a little bit of the show. And so the wow. girl who's playing Latoya is actually SZA. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and her mom is Candy from um, Real Housewives of Atlanta, you know, the singer. And I think Cole Brown from, you know, Martin is playing Latoya's dad. And then, of course, you got Ray J. But did you guys catch a couple episodes ago when um, Issa was sitting in the restaurant and she was watching um, something about Jaquan, the rapper? I did not. You guys She got Easter eggs in the show. That's fire. (laughs) Everybody, you gotta go back. It was the episode when Issa was sitting in the restaurant and Condola and Lawrence came in for a date. Okay, oh, yeah, she was watching episode. it on her laptop. So gotcha. please go back and look at this. I didn't know like, that was Jaquan, love... though. That's hilarious. Yeah, so they've been, um, you know, people always talk about Tyler Perry keeping people, you know, relevant. Issa, she's doing her part for sure. She is, and she is. Issa is a is a grade A level panderer, which I respect and <laughs> admire because. I too like to pander every oh, now and you're again. You're the pander king, bro. Dang, Issa knows what she's doing. Like she knows how to get the people going. So respect to Issa, man. I I just appreciate what she's doing um, with the show, and I've and I've even gotten a deeper appreciation for it, um, B, because I watched um, the movie. What's the name of the movie she's in with Lakeith Stanfield? Uh, the photograph. 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 The photograph. I watched that movie. And, you know, when I said the little spicy statement I said about Issa, D is her name on the show, the character, people went crazy. They they felt like I was attacking Issa the person, which I'm like, no, she's playing a character on the show. And then when I watched the movie, like, it's like, it's literally made clear to you that the person on the show is a person, is a fictitious character. Like, in the so movie, she's playing. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was telling you, bro. 100%, bro. Because she used to have that web series, and it was basically, like, insecure. So I was yeah. like, I didn't know if this was one of those things where she's just being herself. Nah, on, in the movie, she's, like, sophisticated. She's... We're not going to say she got, like, Janet Jackson's sex appeal, because that's that's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. But she's sophisticated. She's smart. She's funny. She's not as, as weird and awkward as the person on the Insecure show. So I'm like, wow, like, this is cool to see. Yeah. Right. Watch yeah. the photograph. I think All people right, enjoy so that fast movie. forward, we go to her mom's house. Her mom's like venting, you know, and they're also venting to each other. And she finally gets the hug that she's so needed and breaks down. And it's nothing like getting a good hug. Obviously, we're robbed of that situation now due to coronavirus and, and whatnot. But... <laughs> You know, That's funny you say that because uh, her mom did mention, like, I don't like crowds of black people. I don't like crowds of people. Like, they make me itch. And it's like, yeah. yo. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, right? But that's, right actually, that's actually a, a wild statement that in the black community, people say that, like, nah. They have make yeah. some, they have say some shit like that. That's a black mom. That's a black mom stereotype. <laughs> so, um, one more trip. Before you move on from the scene, I thought another cool thing from that scene was, like, the show telling telling us that like a lot oftentimes we're unreliable narrators of our own story. Like where Issa's like, you can't really trust your memory. Like Issa's like, well, I remember you saying that one thing about me and blah, 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 blah. And her mom was like, 
nah, like I really meant it this other way. Like I actually admire you. I actually did. She's like, wow. You know, I thought it was dope that the show kind of showed that. Like, a lot of times we tell ourselves these stories. Like, I, and I think I said it on the show before. Like, my whole life I thought that I got bit by a dog when I was, like, five or six years old. And I remember, like, when I was, like, 25, I told the story to my mom. And I was like, yeah, you was there. She's like, nigga, if you got bit by a dog, I'd remember. I would have been the one that took you to the hospital. It would have <laughs> been this traumatic experience. It never happened. Which means I must have, like, dreamt it or something, right? But, like, my whole life, I was telling myself, like, yo, I got bit by this dog really badly, and I don't fuck with dogs, and this, this, that, and the third. My mom was like, that never happened. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what that scene reminded me of. And it also was really dope because it kind of shows, like, no matter how old you are, your caregivers, your parent, guardian, whoever— I don't care how old you are, that validation that you're doing a good job always feels good coming from them, like, every time. Like whatever you're doing in life, if you're like you just graduated from school or you just got a new job or you, you know, are a parent and you just hear someone that has raised you say, yo, you're doing a great job. Nothing like that. Nothing feels better. And so and honestly, with that moment, I felt like Issa was finally able to like breathe and realize like, yo, I really did a good job. And she was able to take in like you know what, maybe I am really good at what I'm doing. I should keep doing it. And it was just a a revelation for her. I love that. That's why I felt like this episode was super needed. Like we needed a moment to see what was really going through with Issa's mind. Jarvis like, no, we we don't need that. (laughs) Jarvis not rolling. He's just not here. And next week's going to be a filler episode also. Well, you know, have some faith. There's one of the most flexible people I know when it comes to like accepting things that he doesn't. Yeah, no, he just doesn't care, bro. I think we're so spoiled with the streaming world where you can just take in a whole series within a day. You're so, you get this instant gratification from being able to see things either be resolved in one episode or the very next episode, like a scandal or how to get get away with (laughs) something, where when you have to wait a week for the next episode, you're thinking that something's about to happen. You're going to get that um, resolve that you've been waiting for for seven days and it doesn't happen. Everyone was like, man, fuck that. I hate that episode. Like, this is a filler <laughs> episode. It's like, no, we need this. We need to see character development. We need to see... Yeah, Jerry. Because when, when you look back at certain episodes, Issa has always blown her mom off. This is our first season actually seeing her mom. When she needed a place to stay, she never hit up her, her parents at all. When... You know, she needed anything. She never hit her mom. Her mom would call. She ignored her. So this is our first time getting to see Issa as a daughter. We've seen her as a sister, finally. We've seen her as a friend, of course. But seeing her as a daughter, we we needed to see this side of Issa. Great breakdown, B. All right, my <laughs> last question before we get out of here. Obviously, Issa done smoked some weed. She hungry. She go to the fire little Ethiopian spot over there in West L.A. And my question for the panel. Would you change plans to avoid contact with a person? Absolutely not. Especially I just smoked. I got the munchies. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm so excited to eat that particular at that at that particular spot. I'm going in. I'm walking in. I'm going to get my food. If I'm not going to say anything to her, but she's going to see me. I'm going to make sure she sees me. I'm going to get my order. And if she wants to initiate conversation, cool. If not, cool. I take my food. I go back home and enjoy it. Jerv? Uh, I would have left. 
uh, I'm, I ain't got time for that. Because you don't know what type of time Molly going to be on. Like, what if Molly's stunned again? Now you got to whip Molly ass inside the store. <laughs> you're not allowed back in the store. You know what I mean? So it's just not worth it. I just go eat somewhere else so I, I'll get it delivered. I me? Mean? It depends. Is, is this someone who I considered a friend at some point? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think I, I might derive. I would leave uh, just because I don't want the problems. Uh, it's not that I'm afraid of the problems. It's just the, the other stuff that comes along with it. If it's someone I, I don't like, I've never liked, uh, yeah, I'm not only staying, I'm being extra loud. And I know that's what I do because that's what I do in real life with real people I don't like that work with me. I make it my mission to make it as uncomfortable as possible for them because I know they feel the awkwardness. So I dive right in and I do backstrokes in there, like just making sure they know this is my world. You are the interloper here. Sicko. Um, me, well, I, I, I would have definitely broke out. I would have definitely, because it's just a, a lot. Like, if you're not prepared to have the conversation, if you're prepared to have the convo, then walk in. But like, it's obvious she's not in the. She's not there yet. So if I'm not there yet to like, I don't have my thoughts collected. I'm not in the space to hear your side of the story. Because like, it, it, you know, when things are first, it's like I don't want to hear what you got to say about it. Like, I'm still in my own feelings and emotions and whatever about it. And so, like, back off. I don't feel like hearing it. So until she's willing to listen to this woman talk, um, I don't think she she, she should probably avoid contact with her. So I would have did the same shit. That's a long she, way. She was looking for her call the whole time. She I'm was like waiting B, on dog. Molly to reach out. I'm like, yeah. B, I'm pulling up. If I want the food and I already done set my mind to it, I'm cool because I had to deal with a similar situation like that. Me and me and homie fell out and I had I had a specific workplace that I had to be at and I looked them dead in the eyes and I'm just like, what? So it ain't like on some thug shit, but it's like, bruh, like I'm not going to. OK, shift. Tuki. <laughs> I ain't going to shift my whole world though for a person. You know what I'm saying? Because like that's kind of. That's whack. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, sure. could you imagine you got to go to a game while yeah. and you're like, yo. Yeah, and you're that's, that's nah, that's boy. crazy. Like, I'm going to be like, yo, what the fuck, man? Let's slap nah, this crazy. nigga, man. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing here? I'm not here? going down no different hallways. Yeah, like, that, that shit yeah. is whack, bro. Like, either you're going to speak about it. Either, that's the thing. If I see that person and whether I'm prepared for that conversation or not, I know what type of time it is because they're preparing me for that. Like, I right, that's what energy on. Cool. I'm not going to fight you, but I'm going to let you know if you have some words for me, I'm going to have some words back, whether it's wrong or not. And also, um, that restaurant is Issa and Molly's spot. That's where Molly took Issa for her birthday on the first episode. So oh. I mean, there's an opportunity. I mean, she should know, like, I could run into her. L.A. is, is big, but it ain't big. Yeah. If you run in certain spots, you're yeah. going to run into somebody that you know. You just take that chance. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, I think that's that's going to wrap it, right? That oh, is man. going to wrap it. Sure. Th- thank you, uh, B, for for breaking it all down once again and, <laughs> and giving us all the tidbits, stuff that we forgot from earlier yeah, My seasons. pleasure. Yeah. Uh, thank you to our, our earlier guest, Mitch Marchand, for... You know, bringing the knowledge, the the industry knowledge to us. Thanks, Jerv. Thanks, Black Trey, Big Waz, Rob on the production. Thank you, the listeners. Be on the lookout for, we're going to try something different. We're going to try and put out a little bit more on social beyond just posting the link to the pod. Look out for some video clips. Look out for some other kind of uh, 
pieces of content we're gonna be dropping all week long. It's been Black Opinions, Madam Motherfucker, take place. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.